Everything that we do has consequences. We are liable for our decisions and we will reap what we sow. When we sow in the flesh, that means that we are putting our faith on the things of this world and that we are devoting our faith and our resources to those things that are temporary. In the end, you get what you want. And if all that you want and hope for is based in this temporary world, then that's all you will get. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. In today's message, we'll be talking about the faith that produces grace. There are many misconceptions on faith, just like there are many people that misplace their faith by using it on things and for things that really don't matter. It is critical to understand what faith is and that we need to use it as best as possible on things that are important. We all have the ability of faith and to choose how to use that ability, but there are consequences for misusing it if we put our faith and or use faith for things that are only based on this world. Today's message is inspired on Romans chapter 4, verses 5 to 16. Let us pray. Blessed Lord, Heavenly Father, to you be all the honor and the glory and the praise forever and ever. Blessed are you, O Lord God, Hallowed and glorified be your name. Your kingdom come, and your will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. I bless you, O Lord God, and I pray humbly that you please forgive my sins. I pray humbly, Lord God, that you please guide us, that you please, O Lord, speak through me, Lord God. Heavenly Father, Holy God, help us, O Lord, to be attentive to your word, that these all may be your words to us. To you be all the honor and the glory and the praise, Heavenly Father. Help us to understand that we need to have faith and that we need to place our faith on you and on the things that really matter. To you be all the honor and the glory forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen. Today's passage can be found in the book of Romans, chapters 4, verses 5 to 16. This is the word of the Lord. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Does this blessedness then come upon the circumcised only or upon the uncircumcised also? For we say that faith was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. How then was it accounted? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had while still uncircumcised that he might be the father of all those who believe, though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them also. And the father of circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision, but who also walk in the steps of the faith, which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void 
and the promise made of no effect, because the law brings about wrath, for where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. What is faith? Many mistake faith for positive thinking or optimism, but faith goes beyond those things. There is something about faith that gives man the ability to shape their future, both their immediate future, but more importantly, their eternal future, depending on what they intend to use their faith for. One thing is for certain, and that is that man did not invent faith because man did not create themselves. We were made and created by God Almighty, so faith is an ability that was granted by God to man along with all of our other abilities. Hebrews chapter 11 defines faith as follows. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now every single person has the ability to have faith. And we could see faith exhibited by some small children and all the way up until we live our last moments. Everyone hopes for something to happen to them or for them either in the immediate future or far beyond. Children exhibit this ability and they learn to develop this ability through the course of their life, starting with very small, mundane and fundamental things. For instance, a baby starts crying when they need something and they do this instinctively. No one teaches a baby how to cry when they're hungry or when they get hurt somehow or when they even feel tired. It's just something they do and that within itself is faith showing itself instinctively. A child sounds the alarm, if you will, when they need something with the hope that someone will tend to their immediate need. After infancy, children continue developing this ability through cause and effect, that if they do certain things, they will gain what they need or want after they accomplish something. Parents, caregivers, and or people overseeing them continue helping children develop faith through the course of their childhood by teaching them that if they wish to gain something, whatever it is, that they need to do something for that. Here is a common one. If you do good in school and get good grades, your mother and I will buy you that bike that you always wanted. Or if you finish your chores, you will get ice cream for dessert at dinner time. It starts with little things, with little things that we crave and desire, and we are taught to hope for them, and that we will receive those things we want if we put forth the effort. We don't see those things at the moment, but we hope for them and we put forth effort with the vision, with the goal to attain them. What is another example of faith in our daily living? How about work or employment? Every person goes to work with the hope, with the faith that if they fulfill certain requirements and accomplish certain tasks over the course of time, that they will be compensated. Some people get paid on a weekly or bi-weekly basis. Others get paid when a certain task or project is completed. Business owners get paid when a service is rendered or a certain good is sold. And why do we work? Why do we strive day in and day out? Do we see the money before starting our activities? No. But we get up in the morning, we fight with traffic, we struggle and toil with the hope, with the faith that we will receive what we have been told we will receive. And what do we use those earnings for? to buy food, to pay for a mortgage or rent, to pay utilities, credit card bills, clothing, and all the other things we need and want. 
We know we need money to be able to get what we need and desire in this world. Nothing is for free. And we strive for all of these before we have them, before we receive that which we struggle for. Here's another example of faith. According to the U.S. Bureau of Transportation, it is estimated that there were 674 million passengers in U.S. airline traffic in 2021. 674 million passengers boarded and flew on a plane, on a mode of transportation that the majority of us really do not know the intricacies of aerodynamics or engineering that make the vehicle work. Out of the 664 million passengers, how many do you think performed a check on the plane to make sure for themselves that the plane was well-maintained and able to effectively get them from point A to point B safely? All of these millions of people paid money to buy a plane ticket, board themselves and or loved ones into these flying machines, if you will, that most have no idea how they work and if they are really safe. Flew thousands of feet or meters above the surface of the earth with the hope, with the faith that they would get to their destination safely. I tell you that if you look at what all of us do day in and day out, we exhibit a lot of faith because we take risk with our very lives every single day without knowing how things will work and what will actually happen. And we put our lives in other people's hands, on people we don't know, on people we have no idea whether they are qualified or not to be able to do what we need them to do. So it is impossible to say that human beings do not have the capacity for faith. Now here's the big question, having said what we have said so far. What do we put our faith on? And this is probably the most important question you will ever ask yourself. Who do you trust? And this is why this question is so very important. Because we will receive depending on what or who we put our faith on. I would say that probably most people put their faith on other people. A lot of people put their faith on money, on riches, on wealth. Others put their faith on human power. And probably the majority put their faith ultimately on themselves. They bet on themselves to get the things they need and want. And how can we deny that? Because we are conditioned to be like that since we were born. We have this God-given ability of faith, but we have been trained since day one to use it on ourselves, to ultimately trust in ourselves in one way or another. But if we agree that we mainly need to trust in ourselves, to have faith in ourselves, to get whatever we need and want, we should think about something called control. Are we really in control of things? I would venture to say that most of you would say, of course, I am in control. I control my life. And if that is the case, we should really think about this notion of control. Are we in fact really in control of things? If we truly look at things in a very practical and realistic manner, common sense would tell us that control is an illusion and that we are not really in control. We have the God-given right to make choices and decisions, and that's how we understand free will. But the power to choose does not imply that we have control over the outcomes of our decisions from a mechanical point of view, if you will. In our exposition before, we said that we do and get into things that we really don't even know how they work or if they're even maintained like an airplane. We can make the decision to purchase a ticket to get on the plane and to travel in it, but we are really in control 
of that whole situation? And the answer is no. Choice does not give us the power to control the universe, the earth, situations and circumstances around us, and so on. We don't even have the power to control the beating of our hearts or the breathing of our lungs and any of our other involuntary actions that happen within our body at every moment. All of the things that happen and how things turn out are dependent on things and people that are outside of ourselves. God, for instance, determines whether you live or die every moment, and there's nothing you can do about it. You might say, I'm the one that has made things happen for myself. And yes, that may be true from a certain point of view, but the reality is that there is nothing you could have done unless God allows you to exist and function the way you do. And so even if your faith is on yourself, you rely, whether you want to accept it or not, on God. Your very existence depends on Him. And of course, nothing happens in a vacuum. There are so many other things that happen all around us, impacted by other people's choices and decisions. Our reality is the product of choice, the structure that God has created, and what God allows to happen or not happen. But we really have no control. Control is an illusion for mankind. And so the big question is, on who or what do you put your faith on? And furthermore, who or what do you put your faith on for what happens after this life has ended for you? Like we've said before, the majority of people either rely on themselves or others or on money or on human power and things of that nature, ultimately on the things that are temporary, things that are based on the material world. Now, is that wise to do? To rely on things that are just as temporary and limited as we are? Because we are very limited beings. Matthew chapter 6 says this about money and wealth, for instance. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Money, treasure, can be stolen and or fade away. Money burns, you know. And if any of you have credit cards and have made purchases online, I would assume that almost everyone has had an incident where someone took something from you. I have had few cases of fraud myself and theft online and that has happened to me over the years. Money or financial wealth comes and goes. And of course, we can't take it with us. And our money is useless in heaven. God doesn't take our currency. We cannot buy our way into heaven. In Luke chapter 12, there is another example of wealth and a false sense of security and the shock of reality where it says, Then he spoke a parable to them saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself saying, What shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. We established before that human control is an illusion. We have choice, 
but no real control over the circumstances that result from our choices. So what would be the logical thing to do with our faith, especially when it concerns a future that we cannot see at the moment? Common sense should help us realize that we need something or someone greater than us. And we should utilize our faith on someone that we already depend on, whether we have acknowledged him or not. And here is where grace and God's goodness should start becoming quite evident in that we live and breathe and function because of God's good grace and mercy. For it is written, For He, God, makes His Son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. We need the sun and the rain for survival. A person cannot live without either of these things. This is how we get our food and water and how everything else is produced. And whether we are evil or good or just or unjust, God allows for these things to happen. That is how good God is. And so without realizing it, without even acknowledging Him, He is already doing things for us that we depend on that we have no control over. Are you starting to get the picture? So it is almost like closing the loop, if you will, when you come to put your faith on God for everything in your life and, of course, for eternity. You see, God has already done something to even take care of your eternity. For it is also written, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. There was no conversation between God and man about salvation and about how to resolve our sin problem, the very thing that causes our physical end and our eternal perdition. No one can have eternal life unless they deal with their sin problem. So there was no, okay, God, this is what needs to happen in order to help us out. There was none of that. God chose to deal with sin. God made a way through his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, so that we could have our sin problem dealt with, so that we could have eternal life. He used his power to choose and his resources, his control to help us with something we could do nothing about. Mankind cannot save themselves. He helped powerless and limited people, people that do not even like him. And let me be even more clear, we were his enemies. When we have not made things right with God through Jesus Christ, we are his enemies. We belong to someone else. That's our reality. But God chose to love his enemies and to save mankind. But he gave us a special ability, something based on love, and that is free will. God created and made everything in the universe, including us, so that we could have free will somehow, and so we could make a decision to choose for him. God is an incredibly good and fair being. He doesn't want for us to choose for him because he programmed us to do so. He made us free beings so that out of our own free will, we could choose for him. We're not pre-programmed robots. He gave us reason, common sense. He ultimately wants for us to choose to exercise our faith in him because we want to, because we have come to understand everything he has done for us, because we have come to the realization of who he is and how he loves us all on our own. He looks for us daily and he shows himself all of the time at every moment with the hope that we will choose to acknowledge him, to look for him, and dare I say that we come to love him for who he is and for everything he has done for us. And he gave us faith so that we can place it on him and for him. 
For it is written, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. This is God's will for us. This is his desire, that we use our faith, and that we willfully put it on him, believing that he is, and that he will reward those who diligently seek him. Now, we do have free will, but there are consequences to how we utilize our faith. No matter what circumstances arise from our decisions, because we have free will, we are liable for our actions. We are responsible for how we utilize our faith. This is just something that is, and there's nothing we can do about it. And that is why God ultimately judges us on our intentions, because those we are completely responsible for and have full control over them within ourselves. For it is written in Jeremiah chapter 17, it says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. And so we should be really careful on what or who we put our faith on because here is a universal truth that is inevitable. Galatians says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Everything that we do has consequences. We are liable for our decisions, and we will reap what we sow. When we sow in the flesh, that means that we are putting our faith on the things of this world and that we are devoting our faith and our resources to those things that are temporary. In the end, you get what you want. And if all that you want and hope for is based in this temporary world, then that's all you will get. But if you put your faith on God and you utilize your resources for Him, then you are sowing in the Spirit. And that, my friends, is eternal. That transcends this world and extends towards eternity. There is only one eternal being and only one eternal place, and that is God and His kingdom. And if we put our whole faith on Him, then that is what we will reap. This is why we are encouraged in the Word of God for our own good to do the following. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. There is no life in the law. And of course, there is no life in the things of the flesh and in the world. There is only life in the Lord. For it is written, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. When we exercise all of our faith with all of our heart on the Lord Jesus Christ, then we find grace with God and eternal salvation. There is no other way. And this is not necessarily a work, but rather a decision based on our own free will. This is all up to us, up to you and me. We find grace by making the decision to put our faith and trust in the only one that is worthwhile putting our faith and trust on, on the Lord Jesus Christ. Then and only then, if we choose to live our lives based on that faith, 
is that we will gain access to God's kingdom and live forever. And so I would encourage you, put your faith on Christ and live for him so that you do in fact find eternal life and eternal reward, those things that only God can give. Almost everyone focuses on the here and now. And yes, the here and now is important, but we need to realize the truth that we do not have any power and or control over the here and now, and least of all, over eternity. Just because certain things seem to go your way does not mean that you have control over this reality. Just because God has mercy on you and doesn't allow for you to have the immediate effects and consequences of your sin does not mean that you have somehow gotten away with things or that there are no consequences. Here is another reality. Just because certain things may be going right for you does not necessarily mean that you are better than other people and by the same token, that just because certain things are going not well for you here and now does not mean that you are worse than others. This is reality. We are all sinners and fall short of the glory of God. And God does not love some people more than others and that somehow he has his favorites. And probably the worst misconception is thinking that because certain things go well for you, that this means that you have things all figured out and that you have God's favor. Here is the one truth that everyone needs to keep in mind. This world is passing. We cannot put our faith on anything here. And no matter what happens here, we always need to be concerned about the future, about what happens after all of this. Our end can be at any point. And if our faith is not set on the Lord Jesus Christ and on living for Him, doing the Father's will, make no mistake, we will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Hell is a real place also, and all of those that have not done the Father's will will suffer the consequences eternally. And hell is not a place where you get to do whatever you want. It is a place of torment and horror and constant remorse and regret, a place where nothing of God's attributes are present, neither His peace or love or mercy or grace or joy. And so you should, for your own good, exercise all of your faith on the Lord Put your complete trust on Him for everything here and now, but most importantly, for your eternity. It's not worthwhile to bet on anything else. Nothing or no one else can give you what only the Lord Jesus Christ can give. I urge you, use your faith to find grace and mercy before the Lord God Almighty, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, blessing and honor and glory be to you. Help us, O Lord, to understand what true faith is. And help us, O Lord, to understand that we need to put our faith in you. Heavenly Father, help us, O Lord, not to look towards the temporary world. Help us to understand that that's what it is. Everything that we see, that we hear, all the things that, that, that are here and now, Lord God, will all go away. But the only one that remains forever is you. You are the eternal one. You are the one that was, that is, and that is to come. And your kingdom is forever. Help us, O Lord, Heavenly Father, to understand that we need to live for you. And that we need to do your will. Help us to understand and to have faith on what you have already done for us. Through your Son, Jesus Christ. 
Help us, O Lord, to set our eyes on him and to do your will through him. To you be all the honor and the glory and the praise, Heavenly Father. I pray for every person that is listening. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that they may use their faith to make you a reality in their lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's Word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you. Thank you.